you don't have to spend a lot of money. But when you get a resource like Byron Katie's Loving What Is book, actually do it. Don't just read it. Don't put it down when it says, grab a pen. I want you to do this now. You've got to grab a pen and do it now. Louise Hay is another one. She has, it's called You Can Heal Your Life. And she has a brilliant, that's a brilliant book. And it's a work like a novel, but it has some actions to take as well. So don't just flip over things and go, oh, yeah, I'll go back and do that. I just want to read the end, you know, see what's at the end. You know, actually do it because a lot of people have changed their lives just from from taking action from a, you know, a $25 book. Welcome to the Self Love Podcast, the show that helps crack open your heart and inspire a deeper regard for your own well-being and happiness. Proudly brought to you by 28 Essentials. Here's your host, the gorgeous Kim Morrison. Welcome to this week's self-love podcast. I'm excited to share with you a very dear and special friend of mine, the incredible Kimberly Steele. Now her story is phenomenal and I know you're going to get a lot from it. She's a registered nurse of over 20 years with most of that time being spent in intensive care looking after the critically ill. It wasn't until she discovered the power of real food and healing the body that she decided to start a career in getting to people before the crisis hits. She's been constantly evolving ever since, discovering that there's more to health than good food. Kimberly's point of difference is her fuss-free way of teaching people how to prepare nourishing foods that ultimately heals the body. Her cooking videos and recipes are easy to follow, and she has an infectious and inspiring way of showing her followers how to go from fed up to fed well. I know you're going to enjoy this week's podcast. I particularly love her story where she you know, thought it was normal to take Panadol upon Panadol. She thought it was normal to have stomach pains. She thought it was normal to have aches and muscles that hurt. And it wasn't until she got clean with her food that she realized that it wasn't a case of just being a natural artifact of getting older. But in fact, there is a way of aging with grace and strength and dignity and health and wellness and vitality. So I know you're going to really appreciate her offer at the end of today's podcast. She's launching her brand new program, Navigate Your Plate. And I highly suggest if you're looking for some inspiration in the kitchen, if you're looking for ways to be better at preparing food and not wasting food, if you're looking for ways to actually inspire your family to want to sit down and eat what you prepare and know that what's in your pantry, how you can create a masterful plate of goodness through spices and flavorings, you are going to love this. So whether you're out driving, whether you're walking or jogging, or whether you're at home, you may want to grab a pen to grab a few points. But I sincerely want to thank you for tuning into the Self Love Podcast. I'm astounded every day as to how many of you listen to the show. I love your feedback. Thank you for your five-star ratings on iTunes. I really appreciate your comments and feedback at thewellnesscouch.com forward slash self-love podcast. And I also really appreciate your comments on my Instagram page, Kim Morrison and the number 28 or Kim Morrison on Facebook. And I really, really do promise you, I read every single thing. I always acknowledge the likes And I'm really super proud and excited to know that you're on this journey with me, introducing you to real life people with incredible stories 
and how they have discovered that self-love for them is also the foundation, the platform from which they live their incredible lives. Thanks a heap for tuning in. And don't forget to head over to 28.com under events for our brand new Essential Self-Care Weekends that are now available to you guys where you get to use your discount code and come along and actually participate in a full two or two and a half day immersion event where we discover and unlock all the secrets into taking care of yourself, making sure that self-love and self-care is your priority, how you become the greatest example to your family, to your children, to your partner, to your friends, and how you get to be the unbelievable best version of yourself. I cannot wait to share this live weekend with you. We have two this year locked in, one on the Sunshine Coast in August and one in Victoria, country Victoria, in October. I cannot begin to tell you how much fun we have at these weekends. Also, the things we break down and break through and how we use the powers of plants in the form of essential oils to be the most phenomenal aromatic anchors. Make sure you head over to 28.com under events to find out more about it. There's a video in there, testimonials, all sorts of fun and amazingness to come your way if you're willing to have a beautiful girls weekend away. All right, guys, get ready for the show. You're going to love Kimberly. I can't wait to share this week's podcast. Take care. Be kind. As you can tell, I am really excited this week to share with you not only someone who is an extraordinary individual in her own right, but somebody who, as you've heard, is one of my dearest friends. Welcome to the Self Love Podcast, gorgeous Kimberly Steele. Thank you, Kim. Thank you so much for having me on. This is quite exciting. I know, I know. We've talked about this for a long time and I have to say it has been such a privilege. You know, I met you many years ago um, coming to do one of my programs and then to watch your journey. I'd just love it if you could explain to our beautiful listeners, even before that moment, how you've come to doing what you're doing today and maybe give us a little you know, a little outline as to how you ended up on this amazing journey, particularly around health and wellness. Wow, where do I start? Uh, (laughs) So I'm a registered nurse uh, since I left school. I went straight to uni, became a registered nurse. Within a few years, I was in ICU as an uh, intensive care nurse. And after I don't know, 15 years or so in there, I discovered the art of food as medicine. So I went to the Wellness Summit. I saw yourself and uh, Cindy O'Meara speak and Karen Smith and you were the Up For A Chat girls back then and that's what sort of started me on this kind of wellness journey. Then I discovered everything that we were doing in ICU was kind of not starting, it was starting to not align with, uh, where I was at and I was devastated with the state of people's health. So I decided I wanted to get to people before they got to that point because most of the patients that were in there were um, suffering the debilitating um, outcomes from diabetes and heart disease and uh, lung disease, cancers and chronic infections, all those things. And I, I thought well, there must be something more I can do and I decided I wanted to get to them before they get to that stage. So then I turned to Cindy's Nutrition Academy 
and started studying with her. And that gave me a platform and uh, a bit of background knowledge into how I could maybe help people. So that's where it all started. And then I discovered that maybe, oh, I started before then, I started doing some little one-on-one coaching with people and small small group um, programs. And I discovered very quickly that my very practical, the very practical side of me that was focused on the science and what's in broccoli and what's in legumes and all that, that sort of thing, I discovered that people aren't going to eat those things if they don't feel good about themselves and if they don't respect their, their bodies more. And they were full of excuses and I really... Because I'm just the sort of practical person, I couldn't find solutions for them. So that's when I started studying with you and looking at the self-love concept and trying to improve my own self-love was the outcome uh, that I had um, instead of, well, I, I started your program because I wanted to be able to help my clients with that side of them. But in the meantime, I also help myself. That's what I'm trying to get at. Uh, so, sorry. I love it. I love so, it. I, I just think, and just on that note, how many of us go in to study things or do things in order to help our kids or our partners or change our relationship or, you know, do things for other people only to discover that maybe the main reason we were drawn there was to really learn it for ourselves first and foremost. So I really, I really want to acknowledge you for that, that comment. Yeah, absolutely. It was, um, well, as you may remember, when I first started, I was kind of just that little person sitting there and I didn't want to, you know, I don't like the spotlight and I didn't want to speak up about anything and I uh, stuck to myself a little bit. But by the end of it, I, um, it, it gave me the confidence to take my nutrition coaching side of things to the next level and I started um, doing some of Karen Smith's programs which at the time she was doing uh, Speakers Fast Track, Mindset Mastery and so I just did everything. I just went, right, there's more to this. Oh, my gosh, there's so much going on in my head that's holding me back because I wasn't quite taking my business to where it could have gone and to where I was so excited when I first started the Nutrition Academy course that uh, what I was going to be able to achieve. But year after year went past and I just wasn't um, hitting the mark. I just wasn't getting to that sweet spot where I felt like, yeah, I'm really reaching lots of people and I'm helping lots of people. And I just, yeah, so once I got through some of my own mindset struggles and my own self-love struggles that I... uh, took my business to the next level and you know and that's sort of how I got to where I am today I've invested a fair bit into my own personal development and as a result I'm hoping that I'll be able to help other people along the way yeah I really I really think we need to acknowledge and also talk about this a little bit more most people don't think like they're they're happy to spend money maybe on going to a spa or maybe getting a personal trainer or maybe not even doing that much for themselves 
but there just doesn't seem to be the same amount of guilt as opposed to learning about yourself. Yet the more we learn about ourselves, the more we realize our potential and our potential becomes our purpose. And when we do that, we become amazing leaders in our own homes, our relationships, uh, we become better parents. And I just I just think, well, what's your thoughts around that? Is it the same as mine where the more you learn, the more you feel like you don't know, but also the more you learn about yourself, the more you realize there is there's certain limiting decisions or maybe beliefs that can hold us back that we're not even consciously aware of. And when you do bring awareness to it, oh my gosh, how much quicker and better life feels. Is that the same experience for you? Yeah, it is that you do discover there is a lot you don't know. But then I also took a little while to implement the things I was learning. So it took a little while for things to uh, set in concrete for me. So I had to continue reading and listening to podcasts and hearing the same messages from the courses that I'd done with you and Karen and and uh, and then I did the neuro-linguistic programming, the NLP practitioner program uh, with yourself and that just opened up another can of worms. And, uh, and But I have to keep hearing it over and over. Even though I spent a lot of money on the courses, I revisit the um, the content frequently so that I, I get it um setting concrete I suppose I mean nothing's concrete but we're, we're fluid and we're moving and we're growing all the time uh, and it definitely has had a massive impact on uh, my relationship with my husband and my boys and other friends and family that I come across because uh, I used to be so worried about what other people thought like I never talked about what I was studying or what I was learning when it came to the mindset stuff I kind of kept that to myself because I thought ah, oh, is it a bit woo-woo like you say it's it's all a bit woo-woo um and people go all oh, right yeah that sounds interesting and so I don't didn't bother talking about it but now I don't really care what people think I just say what I'm doing and and move on and um, I've gone on a bit of a tangent, but but um, as a result, uh, I'm more relaxed at home. Um, I'm less worried about the little things. I'm less worried about what people think and whether people think anything about my parenting or my relationship with my husband or my parents or my family. Yeah, it just all sort of... I'm at a really good spot at the moment where I think, I know I've got this. Whenever something bothers me or I get stressed about something, I go back to all these tools and resources that I've gathered up over the years and I go, no, look, it's okay. And I'll I'll use some of the strategies that I've learned and I'll set myself back um, at ease. And, And that's the awesome thing that I've, the awesome place that I've got myself to just through constantly learning and expanding, I suppose. Yeah, and I think that's the real key point is that we're never static. We're not static creatures. We are people that, you know, humans do well as we evolve and we only have to look at our anthropological and evolutionary processes to see how we learn with each um, generation and we get better and we seem to have this desire, this thirst, this real need to learn and expand ourselves 
I'm, I'm curious to just go after you. You've said a couple of times that you're very logical and practical and you have a very, for want of a better word, maybe a left brain approach to life. Everything's, you know, matter of fact and simplified. What has that done to you? What held you back in that space? And then what has happened since you've opened your heart, opened your mind and opened your ability to look at you as a human, not just a practical vehicle to get things done? Well, yes, I do like everything. Uh, I like, I'm a fix-it person. So the practical side of me meant that if someone came to me with a problem, I'd have a solution. And it wouldn't matter if it was a personal problem or a practical problem or a health problem. Whatever it was, even when it comes to um, fix-it jobs around the house, I've got the right solution, <laughs> whereas my husband has to sort of explain to me why his solution to his little, you know, handyman job is the right way. So I've let go of that a little bit. I'm much better at that than I used to be. Uh, so I've forgotten where I'm going with that. Is that whole thing around how you've gone from practical to become more heart-centred, more trusting of your inner voice maybe, your, I don't know, I just, I've seen a real softness for want of a better word over the years with you and I've seen how you've gone from very pragmatic, like you say with your husband and giving him instructions or, or the boys or whatever, and I'm just curious as to what you think it has done for you by opening up that heart space and how that's helped you evolve as a person? It's probably made me a better listener. And it's so I can stop trying to find the solution and try and say, well, you know, how do you have the solution already? So what, how is it a problem? So when the boys come to me with a problem or they, they say something's hard or whatever it is, I have a better way of, um, letting them discover the solution for themselves. And they say that's, you know, that's counselling, isn't it? And that's therapy and all those things is that often we have the answers ourselves. We, we, um, we just need to be asked the right questions to find, to find it. But it, it's enhanced relationships for me in, in different ways. And, uh, I think, Ultimately, the confidence and the self-love I have for, my, for myself, for me as a person, means that I'm less harsh on myself. I'm not, um, I don't come up with the excuses that I used to. It's helped me get my business to a certain level where I've committed to things. I haven't put things off as much. I'm not procrastinating as much and I'm actually making progress with um with where i want to go and reaching my goals and and setting goals so yeah what do you think's been the thing then i mean if someone's listening to this and they're going that was me i, I i'm hard on myself i lack confidence i don't even know what it means to love myself i am in confrontation with people i am in conflict with my kids my husband my partner my wife my parents like what, what is it? Is it a constant different courses? Is there one thing that you think did it for everything? If someone was listening, what would you say to them? What's the first thing to do? The, the biggest thing I think is perspectives. 
So understanding people's perspectives and not expecting everyone to have the same perspective as you. So that sort of work came from like the Byron Katie work, um, which I know you understand Byron Katie's work, but it's the my business, your business, universal business. And when I put that lens on, things become a lot clearer and easier to understand and to deal with because I'm not taking on other people's business. It's not my business what they do or or how people react or even when it comes to family. I'm not just talking about friends or people around you. Um, yeah, it's understanding people's perspectives and that that's okay. We're not all the same and nothing is true. Like nothing is 100% true for everyone. That everybody has their own truth. So what I believe is true is different to what someone across the world might believe. But there's no no one's wrong. There is no wrong. Yeah. And if is there, you know, a certain number of books or courses that you would recommend then for people to start on this program if they're feeling like you did a number of years ago? Like was there one book that turned the corner for you to open your heart to go to Cindy's or to go to the Wellness Summit that time? The hardest thing for most people is to get out the door or to know which way to go. Do you have any advice around what they should do or is it more listen to your inner voice or is there a book or talk to me about that side of things just in case there's someone listening to this going, I'm going to try that. I'm I'm actually going to give that a go. Well, the the way I found the Wellness Summit, so that was the first thing that I did that um, changed my journey, I suppose. I went to a talk at the gym and it was a lady, so Melissa Ambrosini, who you may know, yeah. it, she came to our little gym and talked about her anxiety and talked about wellness. And I, to be honest, had never heard of the world word wellness before so we googled my girlfriend and I she had a was suffering from anxiety and so I said to her hey come to my gym this girl's coming to talk about anxiety um it might help so there I am fixing it again and um (laughs) and so we went along and she was really interesting to, to listen to and and um so we googled oh she said um take yourself to a wellness retreat or something like that. And so my girlfriend and I, we at the time did used to go on the odd little girls' trip and call it a retreat. Um, and we'd go to Noosa or somewhere lovely together and go shopping and, and that was our retreat. So we thought, oh, maybe there's some whiz-bang retreat that's going on. So we Googled wellness and we came up with the Wellness Summit and we went, oh, yeah, we'll go to Melbourne for a couple of days. That'll be great. And at the time it was a 10-hour day. It was massive was overwhelming it was huge and they do it over two days now and um and that's where it all started for us and that's where I learned to listen to podcasts because every all the speakers that were there pretty much had a podcast so I would say google wellness or something like that or the particular area that you're looking at and see who pops up being mindful that who pops up the top isn't always your first choice. But listening to podcasts, so finding a person that you connect with and for 
me, it was um, the Up for a Chat girls, which you, Cindy and Karen, I really connected with all of you and, and loved your stories. And that the three of you were on the podcast together was awesome. And so that's where I started. So you find someone that you really like and then you learn to trust who they trust. And that's how it sort of flowed on. So I would start following people that you mentioned on the podcast and people that Cindy was talking about and that sort of thing because I was more on the nutrition side of things. That's um, the direction I took. And then when it came to the mindset uh, stuff, it was the Byron Katie things. So she's got a book and a website where she can take you through what's called the, the work where you can start learning how to love what is. It's called Loving What Is, the book. And um, it's a brilliant book that's actually a, um, a practical book. You can, it's got lots of stories and um, explanations for her concept of my business and your business and universal business. And it can take you through how to sort out your own thoughts and processes so takes you through the work and she has lots of webinars and things like that that are free and you just sign up to her newsletter and you'll get them in your inbox every week she's amazing she is so that, and I yeah, think it's also awesome that you know from one little talk at a gym and you know, even over that time, Melissa Ambrosini now is so big. She may not even yeah. get to those little gyms anymore. No, it was amazing. Plenty yeah. of us room. Yeah, it's incredible. And sometimes those talks are the platform for speakers or for people who are taking themselves way beyond talking at a library or a gym. But we all know you've got to start somewhere. And that would be where I'd add to that is it's it's just one step at a time and trusting. And I really loved what you said. And I think it's a really cool point that if you don't know what to do, then follow someone who you like or follow someone who you trust and then trust who they trust. And that is a really cool way to start to learn. It's a really amazing way to open your heart. The cool thing about podcasts, I mean, when you look back to when we started the Up For A Chat podcast, which was, you know, eight, nine years ago now, there wasn't many podcasts. We even went number one podcast at one point, And now there are thousands, if not millions of podcasts. So now what you can do is you can actually Google the topic that you're interested in. It could be macrame. You could put macrame podcast and you will be astounded at the podcasts and the things. And these are all free, right? So you're not saying that you started out spending a whole lot of money going to a gym to hear a talk to then go to the Wellness Summit, which I don't think was that expensive anyway, to then listen to podcasts that are free, to then go to someone like Byron Katie or those of us that have websites with free downloads and free things to do. There is so much you can do with your time and not having to invest a lot of money, isn't there? Absolutely, absolutely. There's so many resources out there and, yeah, like I said, finding the right one that speaks to you so like Melissa, for me now, she's a younger audience. So, you know, I'm more like you, Kimmy. <laughs> more mature. Is that what you're trying more to say? Mature. <laughs> and but, um, so I didn't follow her. For, I didn't really follow her at all after that. I listened to a, a couple of things of hers, but then, you know, discovered everything else. So, yes, you um, 
you don't have to spend a lot of money. But when you get a resource like Byron Katie's Loving What Is book, actually do it. Don't just read it. Don't put it down when it says, grab a pen. I want you to do this now. You've got to grab a pen and do it now. Louise Hay is another one. She has, it's called You Can Heal Your Life. And she has a brilliant, that's a brilliant book. And it's a work like a novel, but it has some actions to take as well. So don't just flick over things and go, oh, yeah, I'll go back and do that. I just want to read the end, you know, see what's at the end. You know, actually do it because a lot of people have changed their lives just from from taking action from, a you know, a, a $25 book. I know it's mind-blowing actually. And for many of us, that's where the journey can begin, a beautiful book or a beautiful audible book or now a podcast or a YouTube channel, et cetera. I'd love to go back to you personally. You have had your own personal health challenges over time, which is perhaps what led you, and I don't want to put words into your mouth, but is, is that what led you into having a desire around nutrition? Could you talk to us a little bit about that journey? Because, you know, nowadays we now know that the gut and the brain are very interconnected. So the fact that you started learning about gut health uh, alongside developing your interest in mindset and love and opening of your heart, I find quite interesting that the two kind of seem to be happening at a similar time. Could you talk to us a little bit about that journey and what was it that made you really start to notice your own health issues? Well, like I said earlier, we went to see Melissa speak because my friend had anxiety. And then once we got to the end of that first day of the wellness summit, we said, right, we're going out for dinner to a fancy restaurant and it's the last time I'm putting any gluten in my mouth ever. And we went to French restaurants and we gorged on it the whole time going, oh, we shouldn't be doing this. <laughs> so that kind of started it um, for me that I started thinking, oh, well, maybe I should go and see an integrative um, GP because that was mentioned at the summit and I had never heard of them before. So a functional um, medical practitioner or an integrative GP they're called and they know a little bit more about food and supplements and um, that sort of thing. Can and I just interrupt you there? Were you, did you have some pains or some things that this is why your antennae was up for that or was it just that you were interested about the fact that gluten was a problem? Well, I was just interested in the, the what Cindy said about um, wheat and gluten and then I really just was interested in saying, oh, well, you know, maybe you could, you know, there are different things you could be doing for long-term health. So I went to an integrative GP and she's, and it was really just for a checkup. I just went, I don't go to doctors. So unless I've got an infection or something, you know, an ear infection or something. But so I went to a, um, a GP and she said, I just said to her, look, I'm just coming. I just want you to give me a once over. And she said, oh, tell me a bit about yourself. And I said, oh, well, I do feel pretty tired. So she checked um, and that was it. She checked my thyroid bloods and it turned out I had hypothyroidism so she said well you need to go off gluten and um she, oh she did a food sensitivity test and she rattled off all these things said gluten dairy eggs and something else 
And so I did that. I thought, oh, my God, really? And I went out and she said, I'll see you in three months. And so I've at the time, Pete Evans was only just starting out with his paleo way, his paleo program. And so I thought, oh, well, I'll just try his thing because that seemed to not have dairy and gluten in it. And so that sort of after about two weeks of doing that and starting the thyroid medication, um, within two weeks, I all of a sudden realised that I hadn't had a headache for a couple of weeks and then I realised I'd been taking um, Panadol and um, painkillers and um, ibuprofen, what do you call it, anti-inflammatories. I'd been taking them pretty consistently for the last 20 years, for the last 15-odd years. And I, after about two to three weeks of being on this really quite um, restricted diet, I had it was all gone. By the fourth week and the sixth week, it was I was sleeping well, my face was clear, I, and I realised all these little issues that I had that I had considered normal, that I just thought, oh, okay, the headaches, the back aches, the joint pain, the um, um, ringing in the ears I was having and blocked ears like the kids would, um, when they were little, they'd make a noise and it would like, you know, like you've um, got your head underwater and that someone squeals, you know, like you've got water in your ears and someone squeals. So all these things I've accepted as normal, all of a sudden I realised they were gone and I realised that I could sleep better and that I could have more energy and I could have all these things. And so that's what sort of triggered the pro progression from nurse in a, in a hospital in an acute setting to going, I'm going to, I'm going to help other people get this. All these people are running around with all these symptoms and they don't know that they shouldn't have them and that your body is screaming at you. And that's kind of the analogy I give when I'm talking to my clients and people that come to my workshops, that um, your body's telling you what you need. And every time we take an anti-inflammatory or a painkiller, we're quietening it all down, but it's still there. It's still going on. Whatever's going on inside your body is still going on, even though you've, you can't feel it anymore because you've dampened it, dampened the messages with drugs. So I, I barely take any, um, you know, if I've usually I end up taking anti inflammatory because I've been hunched over the computer too long and my shoulder goes or my back goes. Uh, and, but even then, I will have to be very bedridden to take any medication. So that's where I sort of got, I didn't start out thinking I was going to, um, that I had health problems. I just kind of discovered it along the way. I find this incredible actually, because when I, you know, obviously if you're out walking or running or you're at the shops or you're in a, an environment where there's lots of people, you know, you see people that they, they just look inflamed. They, they look puffy or they look and they're limping or they, oh, you know, they, they talk like that as they're, they're walking along. And I always think, well, I wonder what you're eating or I wonder what medication you're on and I wish I could help you. You know, I always think diet is such an important thing. Uh, can I ask you from this point of view, from a medical point of view and in the nurses situation and in hospitals, I, I'm not a medical expert, Kimberly. So, you know, forgive me if I'm stepping over the line here, but 
I find it fascinating the couple of times I've been in hospital with appendicitis or having a baby or my back surgery or knee surgery, that the food that I was then given post-surgery, I, I wouldn't even eat that at home, let alone as I was trying to heal. My body was so vulnerable after a, sur- after a surgical procedure or even giving birth that I would have thought the most important thing of all, knowing that we're made up of 50 trillion cells and that cell communication and what we put into our body affects every single system and chemical reaction within our body, depending on what we're putting, what we're feeding it, what we're putting on the skin, our environment, what we're breathing in. It has it, it all plays such a significant role. Yet that doesn't seem to be the most important thing in a hospital. Why is that? Good question, Kimmy. <laughs> oh, I wish it was a simple um, answer, but yeah, no, hospital food is revolting. It's, uh, I've seen the kitchens. I smell the smell of hospital food. After you've worked in a hospital for so long, you um, the smell is, oh, it's awful. Uh, so, yeah, I ha- don't have an answer for that. They have dietitians in there, but um, if you were diabetic, you just got a sweet and low on the on the tray instead of a full full sachet of sugar with your wheat fix. Uh, I don't think a lot's changed uh, at all since then. Um, the dietitians that come round and give you you know the um, sustagens and the the jellies and all these things. Um, if you had special dietary requirements, you know gluten free ice cream. That's like why is ice cream got gluten in it anyway? But all these things. So uh, there are people around trying to change this. Um, Gary Fatke, who's um, in Launceston, um, he's a Launceston orthopaedic surgeon who's um, got a big story. I won't go into that. Um, uh, he, he has been trying to change the hospital food in Launceston for a long time. He's a diabetic um, expertise as well. So, yeah, I, I have no answer for that. Why the health system, you know, they prescribe medications when something's wrong and, yeah, food doesn't come into it at all. Um, even GPs, they don't do a lot of um, nutrition training, but, you know, they can't know everything, which is why it's great to um, reach out to nutritionists and naturopaths because a GP can't know everything, that's impossible. I don't expect them to either. But um, uh, so it's always good to get a team of people behind you. I think that you know whether you um, you've tried with chiropractors or osteopaths or find a good physio. There's answers um, out there, but you've got to hunt for them. And unfortunately, it's trial and error. Yeah, back to Gary Fitke. I mean, he was, from my understanding, he was, you know, removed from by the, by the medical association to even practice. They felt he was crossing certain mm. lines. Is that right? Yes. Yeah, he was because he was um, he was amputating um, limbs due to diabetes, and through his own um, health issue, he had a brain tumor, I believe. And he decided to cut out sugar and discovered that his tumour reduced, if not went away. I I can't remember the full story, but that's when he went, oh, wow, you know, I can do this with my patients. 
So he started researching it and he was speaking overseas and all sorts of things at the time because he researched the, uh, the effect of sugar on the body and um, that's why he got, you know, pulled up and, and um, deregistered and they've reversed it, you know. I don't know, it's five years later of absolute torture for him and his family and then they go, oh, yeah, sorry. Sorry about that. You know, here's your registration back. I think he wasn't he wasn't deregistered. He I think he was still practicing, but he wasn't allowed to um, talk about nutrition. It's a shame, really, um, because I know so many people like yourself, like me, who are passionate about nutrition, and you only have to find a, a talk to a mum who's got a child with a certain condition. And I don't think anyone researches quite the way a mother who's on a ferocious pathway to, to helping her child. And sometimes those mums know more than some, you know, GPs, like you say, they're not expected to know. They have so much knowledge and so much um, information and so much work they've done to get to that level and not undermining that in any way. Um, but I want to go back to the to the word dietitian and I'd love to ask you, so the difference between a dietitian and a nutritionist is what? It's the um, umbrella they work under. So the dietitians work under the Dietitians Association of Australia uh, and they set our health our, um, food guidelines, the food pyramid. I don't look into it too deeply because there are so many dietitians that are doing more and um, researching more and changing some of their ways. But traditionally speaking, the dietitian will, can only guide you on the, the food pyramid and the Australian dietary guidelines, whereas a nutritionist has had a different kind of education. And, and some of them are more extreme than others. So some of them will be right on the gluten thing, whereas others will say, you don't have to remove gluten. Removing gluten is um, removing a food group and and you are going to be def deficient in certain vitamins if you take out bread. And uh, But others will, will say, look, it's okay. You can have bread but have really good quality breads that's bakery made, not packeted and, and from the supermarket. So individual practitioners will take on their own slant but I believe the dietitians have to work under the Dietitians Association of Australia's guidelines. Mm, I've, you know I've heard a lot of you know it's there's a lot of arguing amongst dietitians, nutritionists and um, general practice in medicine and I'm just curious I don't know enough about it um, but I do know two dietitians I spoke to personally a number of years ago were very anti a real food like butter and felt that a low-fat uh, margarine was way better for our health. Now, for me, when I was studying to be a personal trainer and we did nutrition as a part of that, we were taught also low-fat, um, you know, there was, and we were also taught ballistic stretching. We were told all sorts of different things, which over time, um, again, as humans evolve and we learn more and we know more, therefore we do better. I think it's really evolved. But it, it, and I, again, I'm speaking very generally here, and I'd love to hear 
dietitians that do have that open mind. And I think, you know, it's really cool to see the involvement of that. But I, 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 it seems to me like it doesn't matter what you study, there seems to be a philosophy in behind it. Um, and I guess for you as a nurse, talk to me about how that's your philosophy now. You mentioned at the beginning didn't align with the hospital values or what you were advised to do or how you could practice as a nurse. What would be your advice or what would be your wish or if you could wave a magic wand, how would you want the nursing system and that whole beautiful hospital system to look now? Oh, the magic wand question. So <laughs> the it's a big system and there's lots of policies involved and governments and red tape and all that stuff that it would be lovely to see real food on their plates in the in the hospital it would be lovely to hear the doctors talk and ask the patients about their diet and and what they're having when you see morbidly obese people come in and nobody mentions diet like they might have a dietitian come and they'll say, oh, well, if you can't give up Coke, then have a Diet Coke. You know, like it's crazy concept. So it would be lovely if we could, you know, get everyone back to eating real food because the body doesn't recognise processed food as food. So that's where it becomes inflamed and it's responding and that's where we get the earaches and the blocked ears and the, the irritated skin and headaches and joint pains and things come because our body is so inflamed from what it's been fed. Plus add into that stress. Stress can make you inflamed and um, emotional mindset issues. It all impacts the body in different ways. So the one thing we do have control over is what we put in our mouths. And I don't think any practitioner on the earth in any um, discipline would say that drinking Coke and eating McDonald's is good for you, that there's nothing wrong with it. I think everybody agrees on that. It'd be better if you ate more vegetables. Mm -hmm. I, I think everybody would agree on that. But I suppose if you were to go and see someone uh, about your diet or ask about them and they give you advice, follow it for a little while and, and you might see improvements. But as soon as your health stalls or your weight or your um, mental health, anything like that, if you're seeing anyone and you see progress and then it stalls, then it's time to get a, another opinion, another angle. Because like I said, there's some dietitians that are on a, a slightly different path or some nutritionists on a slightly different path. So they might take you that little extra mile. They might ask you about your mindset and your self-care. And, you know, so it, it takes some exploring, but yeah, um, I would love to see the hospital follow that exploratory path where you go, oh, hang on, you've got poor wound healing, for instance, because of your diet. Whereas we go, oh, you've got poor wound healing because you're nutritionally de de deficient. So here's some sustagen to give you more protein so you can build up muscle or whatever it is and repair yourself. Yeah. yeah, it's a it's a big thing, isn't it? And I can see yeah. why Gary and his wife, um, you know, must be, we, we do know it was a very tough journey for them and they're not the only one. There's a doctor in South Africa who was disbarred or, or um, deregistered as well who's gone through the court systems 
there's just so many. And there's the nice thing, though, I guess, um, there's always questioning now. There's more and more people having a voice and, and speaking up. And, and I guess I'm excited from, from that perspective because it means I don't necessarily have to become qualified in nutrition to understand that real food is actually medicine and real food can help help heal. But also knowing that for some of us, a tomato could be a poison or knowing that for some of us, even the, a microcosm of gluten can cause a cascade of issues in the body. And I think at the very beginning, you were talking about knowing yourself and really learning who you are and, and, and finding out more about yourself is one of the most extraordinary keys and most amazing steps any one of us could take into becoming the best version of ourselves. We've talked diet, we've talked the hospital system, we've talked nursing, we've talked your story. Talk to us now a little bit around the mindset and self-care. So what are some of the things that you now do for yourself that has become an absolute non-negotiable or things that you've embraced that you maybe didn't embrace five, ten years ago? And then can you tell us the impact that's had on your three big boys and your husband, your family? So I suppose, well, I've never had a weight problem. So that meant that I didn't exercise because everybody exercises because they think it's to keep their weight under control. So um, that could have been part of some of the aches and pains and joint issues that I had. I used to go to the gym all the time when I was at uni because it was social. We'd stand around and chat for <laughs> a couple of hours <laughs> and um, you know, try and find a partner or something like that. We've <laughs> <laughs> um, had people that make donations to gyms just to have a chat. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Carry on. Uh, and um, and you'd look great in your little um, aerobics outfits back then. And um, so I, um, the self-care journey for me sort of took me to place more emphasis on myself, not in a selfish way, but in a, instead of um, doing the washing or the ironing, I'm going to do some exercise first because the washing and the ironing, it's going to end up getting done at some point and whether it happens at night or whatever, it doesn't matter. But I would fill my mornings with jobs and instead of things that I could be doing for myself. So exercise was one thing that I took on and committed to. Then meditation was another thing that I made not negotiable. I must say that I've been flat sticks this last couple of weeks and the meditation did go in the mornings, um, but I make time for it in the evenings before I go to bed, which often isn't the best way to do it. But when I'm flat out with work um, things during the day, I need to turn my brain off at night. So I have a few things that I do in the morning that I've created a morning ritual. I do your body boost every morning since your um, since I learnt that back in whenever it was, eight, nine years ago. I pretty much do that every morning and occasionally when I'm, I really need to wind down at night, I will do it at night. I'll have a shower and do it at night. I shower most nights but... Um, not all the time. I'm in Tasmania, so it's not like I need to get naked and cold at the end of the day. It's like pull your jammies on and get in the, into bed in the middle of winter. Uh, so there, 
deep breathing has become a massive part of my um, calming myself. So I've, I've learned to feel when I'm holding my breath. And when you hold your breath, your body thinks you're in trouble and that you're in danger and that you're in fight or flight. So I've become very conscious of it and take deep breaths all day, every day. I constantly find myself taking that big deep breath because when you do that two or three deep breaths, you trick your body into thinking, oh, it's okay, I'm safe now, I'm just going to calm down. And that has been what's got me through a lot of tough, tough times and um, and especially when you're talking about your family and, you know, I've got three older boys, so they're 16, 18 and 20 and, you know, my husband travelled a lot when they were really little and that was when I was, you know, really uptight and I was really structured and I was really practical and I was really... Um, um, grudge bearing um, that's not the word but um that he was away and I'm here with these kids that are screaming and fighting and all this stuff and that I would resent resent I was resentful of um people being out and about doing their own thing and I was stuck at home with these kids and it was and I wish I could have my time again to be as calm as I am now and just take it as it comes uh so I've got to that in their teen years so that's got its benefits as well because, my God, teenagers. <laughs> and it doesn't end when they're 20. And um, so our the ways that I've incorporated self-care and relaxation, I committed to yoga once a week and that's my not negotiable. And we, we have coffee. Our yoga group has coffee afterwards. So it's a two-hour affair. But it's once a week and that's it. Tuesday mornings, don't bother contacting me. I'm not there. And But that has been a really calming influence on my life and on my body as well because of the stretching and the holding. And my yoga teacher is very much of um, the mind and the breath and, and all that. So she really suits the way I, the, the things that I need. So, you know, if you do take up yoga, find the teacher that suits what you want. Don't just go to one and go, oh, I didn't like it, um, you know, look around. But all those things has made me, you know, if you ask my husband, he will tell you how much more chilled I am. I don't get as cranky. I'm not as uptight. Um, I'm more uh, accepting of um the slip-ups, you know, if, if one of the kids does something and and or doesn't do something, I'm just a little bit more chilled about it because there's no point getting uptight. What what difference does it make if you get uptight and yell and scream about something so little? That's half the time that's what we do. We do all these things and then all of a sudden we go, oh, my God, that was nothing. There was nothing in that at all and I've gone off my chops and then I was too proud to stop and go, oh, I'm sorry, that was too much. So I'm better at doing that as well. So I'm quicker to um, apologise and say I'm sorry that was over the top because I still lose my shit, you know. We all still lose it every now and then. But um, all these things have had a flow-on effect and, and, and a positive impact on my husband as well. I think um, he's become 
you know, a little bit more relaxed about things. He's he's a precise personality, so he likes things just so. So he's become, you know, we've kind of balanced each other out a little bit and not, and he's become a little, um, you know, lets things go a little bit easier. So, and I hope the kids can see that as well, even though I was an uptight cranky pants when they were little. <laughs> I was still fun and cool every now and then. But um, <laughs> uh, as their teen years, I've probably uh, been someone that I feel like that they can come to. I'm not going to go completely off my chops straight away unless it was awful. But, <laughs> but um, yeah, so it's had a, it's had a positive impact on, on all our relationships. Incredible, really, because if the woman of the house is happy and healthy, life tends to run smoothly for everybody else, which is why I think the work you do, the work many of our colleagues and people that we both love do really does impact the decisions, the actions, the emotions of the woman running the house. And that really does, without sounding sexist in any way, really does allow the man to get out there and do what he needs to do and be the hunter-gatherer, the provider-protector, and allows us to really step into the power of our feminine and realize that space, that ability to, to hold the space for our family actually is incredibly powerful, particularly when the masculine, the feminine is really embraced. And I just, I want to just acknowledge you for that because for a lot of us, you know, having kids, you know, have, have babies, they said it would be fun, they said, and we realised that, you know, you don't sleep, you are exhausted, um, you know, there's lots of other things that sometimes come into it with illness or certain conditions these days, and it's a, it's a tough, it's not easy. But one thing you also mentioned there um, was also the fact that there was fun and you were cool every now and again. And I think that's something that many of us parents have to also remind ourselves that we're not always Mr. or Mrs. Grumpy Pants. We do love our children. But I do know for sure with the work that I now do and what I teach, the more happier and healthier and more fulfilled you are as a person, there is no doubt you're a better parent and a, de- and a better partner. What are some things that you and your husband and kids do for fun? Like, You've mentioned fun and it is actually important and having a laugh. What is it that you guys do or what do you do for yourself apart from your coffee with your yoga girls once a week? Um, we, uh, my, my oldest son has a builder's apprenticeship. It's his first year. And so he comes home fairly tired and often it's a little bit late. Um, they, he works quite long days. And he'll come home and he'll put on, he's got a series of um, TV shows on Netflix that he watches that are just short, they're 20-minute episodes, and they're just lighthearted and funny. And so I'll sit down with him and we might pump through, you know, three of them, which sounds like a lot, but they're like 20-minute episodes. So, But it's like a bonding time as well. I think it's really important and it's something I have focused on all through the kids' lives is having that little time where you just are with them um, alone. And that's where my food probably came into it because I would always be in the kitchen and I'd always be making them something and I'd stand there and cook and their friends would come over and I'll cook and I'll feed. And and while you're doing that, they're relaxed and they're talking. And so especially with boys, getting them to talk and share things with you is so important and you understand um, maybe where their head's at. And it's also good to know their friends. 
because you want to know who's got their back and who hasn't and who's a little bit of a fool. We won't have too much contact with that one and <laughs> not that you can control those things, but it's just a good way to get to know them. So feeding my kids has always been something we love to do and they love coming home and um, smelling food and then they'll come upstairs quicker and chat and we'll have a laugh and they'll tell me about their day and we'll eat whether we need to or not sometimes. Uh, but we do socialise a lot with the boys and their friends. So my husband's very much into fitness and he's involved, always been involved with their football teams. So he knows the boys' friends really well because he's trained them. And so they come to us a lot and they, we, so we hang out with them. And so we might have music on one night and we might dance and have fun and, and that sort of thing. And, you know, we do have a couple of drinks every now and then. And that's a connection with the boys and their friends because, you know, let's face it, they're teenagers. But we also like going out. Um, that's the fun stuff. So we love going out for dinner and exploring food and we always share the five of us always share plates we always you know occasionally we'll have our own food but generally we go somewhere oriental or a middle eastern where you share the food so we love sharing food we have always uh taken the boys for bushwalks but not that often but recently they've been interested in coming with us and having just short walks we don't do too long and they're actually starting to, as they're getting older, starting to go, oh, yeah, this is cool, I like it. Whereas when they were younger, it was um, a little bit more of a chore for them. And they generally enjoyed it once they got out there. But um, So we enjoy doing that sort of thing, getting out in nature. We have um, a property on the east coast and we go there in the summer and it's more camping, so winter's not great because it's cold down here and we don't really have... Um, we don't have a shack or anything, a house to stay in. So it, over the summer we go there and we go fishing. We love going fishing and um, boating and going to the beach and things like that. We have a camping group we go away with. It, usually everything surrounds food and cooking food <laughs> comes to fun with us. We love food. All our memories, whenever we've been overseas, all our memories are all surround food, what meal we had in the souks of Syria you know <laughs> well having been to France with you and experienced traveling uh, around Tasmania with you I I don't think now's a good time to really share all the things we indulge in but my gosh do we have some fun and yeah. I just yeah I really wanted you to highlight that because I think one of the nicest compliments as a parent as we get older our kids actually wanting to come home or wanting to spend time with us or wanting to spend time with us and our friends I personally think it's one of the greatest compliments of all and it's such a treat to share them with our friends, especially like you and us. We've got older children now. You do see the light at the end of the tunnel once you get through all the maelstrom of nappies and sleepless nights and then getting through their teen years and all the things that, that yeah. come with being a parent. But once again, you know, what a personal growth journey it is to be a parent and I love what you just said then that everything centers around food. And if you think about it, most of us eat between two and three times a day, maybe a few snacks in between. 
and food is a celebration. There's a reason why they say, and I guess in the Bible, the breaking of the bread or the 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 ritual of sitting down or why we love having friends over for dinner or having a barbie or going on a picnic. I think there's something really special about shared plates, about sitting around the table chatting and eating. There is nothing more divine. It's one of my most favorite pastimes, particularly in all different parts of the world. And I just want to say um, how much you've taught me around the power of that. And I'd really love for you to now talk to us. I know we could talk for hours and I feel like we've been sitting here um, just having a chat with the beautiful um, dip that you've made and one of your mayonnaises that you've whipped up in a jar within 30 seconds and we're having hot, you know, kumara or sweet potato chips covered in a beautiful sea salt and and harissa. I don't know, you just always seem to make anything in the kitchen real quick and easy, but kind of picture us sitting there having this and dipping into that beautiful aioli. But talk to us, please, about what it is within your business now that you're offering, because I really do think that there's a number of mums, there's a number of uh, dads probably even, and a number of people out there just, I'd love to get more in the kitchen, but I honestly, it just feels such a chore. It doesn't feel pleasurable like what we're talking about here and now. What do you offer and how do you teach people to navigate their way through um, the responsibilities in the kitchen and make it more fun and bring back that real, you know, for want of a better word, that spiritual, that beautiful connection that we do have when we're together? Well, funny you should say navigate. So my current program that I'm launching um, this week, the, uh, March the 22nd, it's launched. Uh, it is called Navigate Your Plate. It's basically a six-week online program that um, really has a start date, so it's not something you do on your own. It's something you do alongside me with um, group support. So the, the idea, the concept, it's been in my brain for many years uh, and it's finally come to fruition with a little bit of commitment and um, dedication and hard work. Uh, it's, it's really a program that's designed to go th- to shortcut what I went through. So there's a little bit of mindset stuff, um, organisational stress, time management, all those things. But the ultimate goal is to have you feeling younger and healthier and more energised than ever before. So you're not talking about, oh, yeah, I'm getting old because that's what I hear everyone saying. I'm getting old. It's to be expected. And when I think back through my journey, when I first changed my diet, within that first few weeks of changing my diet, when all those symptoms slipped away, I thought, oh, my gosh, who ever knew that you could feel this good? So now today I feel better than I did back then because I was skipping out on life, sitting on the sidelines. I would be lying on the couch with sciatica, um, headaches and popping pills and all that jazz, and I was just fed up with it all. So I kind of thrown in the towel to a certain extent and go, oh, well, I can't walk that far. I can't go on a bushwalk because my knees hurt. or And it wasn't my knees hurt from a lifetime of netball or that I'm carrying 20 kilos too many and there's too much pressure on my knees. My knees just hurt because I was unfit and I was inflamed. So that's the idea is um, to take you from that fed up and to feel fabulous again 
and hit your health goals and live a life that you love. Uh, and that's my, my tagline on my um, rabbit hole um, website is nourish, nurture, live. So to nourish your body, nurture your soul and live a life you love because it's, the, it's all those things together that, um, that makes the difference. It's not, there's no one secret to it all. That, so the program is really just um, it's six weeks and it's step by step. There's a roadmap. We have things we do each week and habits to implement uh, so that it's really no fluff. I'm, not, I'm a no fluff person. And all my recipes, I've been doing recipes and videos for um, a few years now, a couple of years. And uh, once I got the confidence to just go live and just, you know, turn my camera on and go, hey, look at me, I'm in the kitchen. So I love showing people and that's probably what attracts people to follow me is my cooking style is very no fuss um, but tastes amazing, if I don't say so myself. I love spice. I love the, the flavours that you can get out of food and that's what I think is the secret to igniting your cooking fire because a lot of people don't, they, you know, they say, I hate cooking, I'm really not into it. But until you know the power of food and what you can um, achieve by changing your diet, and that's what I did. I went, this is how amazing I feel. And I was very strict at the time for a good three months. And then I started um, reintroducing a few things. And then I started letting loose a little. And then I went on holidays and I went really let loose. And I felt rubbish again. And I started getting cramps and headaches and everything felt horrible again. And I went, right, I remember what it feels like to feel fabulous. So I had the motivation to go, right, knuckle down, girlfriend back you go let's just calm down a bit with the little sneaky bits and pieces here and there and for me gluten is a problem because of my thyroid um it, it really can knock me for six that if i let it sneak in too much that um my moods and my tiredness all all go to the pack so yeah maybe um getting back into the kitchen and being prepared is is a key part of the course and a part of what I teach when I when I do a video on social media. I always have a focus on this is so quick and easy. There there is no reason why you can't do this and do a double batch and and cook once, eat twice is my mantra. And I I like to give people options so that if you don't have to cook five days a week, you can cook three days a week if you like. You do twice as much three times a week. You've got your week covered, and or you've got lunches for the next day. So it's no fuss. There's no like if your lunch is prepared the night before from your meal. So I always say to people, before you serve the family, serve your lunch out first, so that you've got your lunch sorted. And if you have to put your name on it and say, "Don't touch that. That's mine," then do that. <laughs> but um, then imagine if you're an office worker in the middle of the city, your options are fairly, you know, there's just so much um, fast food around, you know, even if it is the sushi and the curry, the you know, the curry house or the Thai place, um, they, they're putting lots of sugar and things in that to westernise it. I don't know why, but they westernise it by putting lots of sweeteners in it 
and um, and artificial pastes and things, and it's not traditional. Sushi is great once in a while, but you can't have that every day. Nothing you should have every day. But imagine if you've got your beautiful meal you've cooked the night before, you don't have to go trudging across the city to find your food. You can um, heat it up or take it in a thermos or something and you've got it there. You can then just walk outside, sit on a park bench and enjoy the sun and the fresh air and you're good to go. And it saves you money and it saves you time in the long run and and it saves you feeling sick, tired and fed up later on. So I don't know if I answered your question yes. there or not. No, very much, very much. I'm just so proud of you. I'm so excited for you because you have been talking about this for a couple of years and I know the pathway, what it takes to actually create something like this, particularly from a place of absolute love, but to have grunt in there, to have real um, practical, applicable tools that every single person can embrace, to know that we're going to have some fun while we're doing this, to know that there's a no fluff approach to know that you're going to get in, get the job done, learn what you need to learn, get the things set up for the following week. So, and, and one of the things that I know you've really worked on is that you set everyone up to succeed, not to fail. And I really love that. And I know you talk about, you know, going from fed up to fabulous, but I keep saying to myself from fed up to fed well, actually. So um, I quite like that. But I also would really like to say to people that, one of the cool things that I love about you are your videos. You crack me up every time I watch you. And I just love the fact that, you know, you've really stepped out of caring what people think because they are the best videos and inspire me in my kitchen. And I'm a foodie, so I can't imagine what you're going to do for people that aren't or didn't consider themselves foodies up until this moment. So if they wanted to find out more about the program, um, what's the website and what's the name of the program again? So the program is called Navigate Your Plate and there's more information if you go to learn.kimberlysteel.com.au forward slash enroll. That is where you'll find more information and there's a link there to um, sign up if you choose to do so. You can email me as well if you want more information. My rabbit hole um, website is now called kimberlysteel.com.au so that's where you'll find my recipes I'm not fabulous at blog writing so there's a few blog articles on there but I really I just it's a chore so I'd much rather stick my face in a camera and tell you about cooking and why you should be cooking uh, certain ways so but my my recipes and links to YouTube videos video um, cooking videos it's all there kimberlysteel.com.au and otherwise you can go to the rabbit hole on Facebook and Instagram so that my tag or whatever you call it is at rabbit hole 48. So that is works for Instagram and Facebook. And the rabbit hole, just interestingly, I, my dad always called um, salad rabbit food. And then you and Kim and Cindy, um, Sorry, Hugh and Cindy and Karen used to always say, oh, let's go down the rabbit hole. And because that's where I started, that's where the name the rabbit hole came from. And, um, and I'm finding it really hard to let that name go. So I've, I've decided to keep it because it still is applicable. It is going down the rabbit hole and 
you know, I, I picture this rabbit warren and you can go as far as you like and then sit until you're comfortable. And then if you need to go further, then you go a little bit further down the rabbit hole and learn more about yourself or explore more with your health, go a little bit further and further until you get comfortable. But, yeah, so I just thought I'd tell you where the rabbit hole came from because some people say, what does that mean? I did not know that. And how cool yeah. is that? Or you just don't realise the impact that certain things that you do have. And I just, yeah, I've loved it. And, you know, in this whole conversation, I haven't asked you once yet, which it's the self-love podcast, which I've been so infatuated with your story. Uh, just before we finish up, like what is your definition of self-love? Self-love, um, the, the definition of self-love for me is more about having the respect for yourself to do the things that make you thrive. So for everyone it's different. Some people might eat really well and think that's good enough and that's self-love and I'm being healthy and I'm looking after my body. But they run themselves ragged with stress and overdoing it and, and all that sort of thing. So to me, if you are doing the things that help you be the best and help you thrive and shine and the thing, being able to do the things that light you up and, and that you actually love doing, it all makes you um, a better person, um, better to yourself, and you're, you're a better person to be around. People will be attracted to you because, because you sort of create that aura around you where you lose the negativity and the, the excuses and the blame and all that stuff that you talk about. That, um, that yeah, I suppose that's kind of it. It's just it's different for everyone, but for me it's doing the things that make me shine and thrive and that is eating well, um, doing my yoga, breathing, having calm time and having connection time. So having time with my boys and with their friends and time with my friends and um, time with family as well. So all those things add up to creating your, the best life you can, I suppose. Oh, I love it. I love it. And I'm actually glad we saved it for the end because it really does summarise your story, your knowledge, your incredible passion, the difference you're making. So, guys, if you're listening to this and you're driving, the website is – if you want to learn about Navigate Your Plate, it's learn.kimberlysteel, all one word, which is K-I-M-B-E-R-L-Y-S-T-E-E-L-E.com.au. And if you want to follow her on Instagram and Facebook, rabbit hole number 48, um, follow her there, look for her handle on both platforms and you are in for a treat. Um, it'll link to the YouTube channel and all the offerings that she has, but um, honestly, the Navigate Your Plate program, it's a really amazingly priced program for all the things that you get with it. I feel very privileged to have seen what it's about, so I cannot begin to tell you how much I know you'll get a lot from it. And I sincerely hope that you don't just listen to this podcast, but do what Kimberly said at the beginning and actually take action. And you know what? For the small investment that it is, I'd really love to see the outcome in six weeks after this event and seeing exactly what's changed because you just have no idea 
It could just be as simple as a recipe that literally changes your life. It could be a fact about sugar that makes you think about it. It could be understanding exactly what gluten does to the microbiome in the gut that really makes you go, oh, maybe it is what makes me tired. Or it could be that nagging headache or the fact that you bite your nails or the fact that you don't sleep well that is making you even question that food and mindset, self-love and self-care could all be part of the reason. And having you know, being a part of Kimberly's life for so long now, I can honestly say that all those avenues will be touched on. And if you're new to this, you're going to absolutely have your mind blown. And if this is a journey you've been on for some time, it's going to be that reinforcement, that unbelievable ability to actually think, wow, I do know a bit and you're still going to learn more, I promise. So Kimberly, to finish off today, thank you so much for all the work you've done. It's I've been dying to get you onto this podcast, but we both agreed that there is no way we were going to get you on here until we knew that this program was ready. So I just want to acknowledge you for the work you've put into it, for your beautiful family, for probably putting up with you while you've been putting it together. And I'd love to finish by, you know, if you've got a final message, but also What are your favorite quotes that you're loving at the moment right now? Well, I'm, this quote is quite apt. Um, and it's something that I often talk about, uh, when I am doing little videos or anything like that. Uh, the, the program I'll just add before I go on is it starts on the, it's actually going to be commencing on the 6th of April. So that is first drop day. So the, there will be no opportunity to buy in until later in the year if you miss that deadline. So um, don't wait another couple of weeks because you'll miss the boat, uh, so to speak, until next time. So we do that so that I can run that program alongside everyone. So I'm there and I'm doing it with everyone. So this quote is from Martin Luther King. It is you don't have to see the whole staircase, just take the first step. So I always say on my um, little videos and things, I'll say taking any step forward is better than taking no step at all. So that's generally how I do everything. Progression, not perfection, just one step at a time. You're amazing. I I can't say it enough. I think you're incredible and I'm really proud of what you've done. Thank you so much for being on the Self Love Podcast. I look forward to many more wines and dining and yoga and hiking and holidays in Tasmania on the Sunshine Coast and really excited to know that we've got more things planned for the future. So thank you so much for being on the Self Love Podcast. Thank you, Kimmy, and thank you for all your support and encouragement that you've given me over the years. I couldn't have done it without you and Cindy. And um, I look forward to hanging out with you again soon. Hopefully we can um, get across the continent again soon. Cannot wait, sweetheart. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Self Love Podcast. Be sure to write a review and share the love with your friends and family. And head over and visit Kim and her team at 28.com. That's the word 20 and the number 8.com. Take good care.
This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.